tonight is a, is a bit of a different evening service. This is an open to questions. Which if you've been here a while, you've uh, seen many of these uh, over the years. And tonight um, is on disability. Um, so we have a guest speaker here, um, John Macy. And he'll be speaking to us and then answering some questions. Um, so um, there won't be any fuel tonight. So fuel, you're going to stay in and participate. Um, and, and learn from, from John and a chance to ask your own questions about disability and uh, what, what does God have to say about that. Um, about midway through, so we'll, John will have a talk. Um, throughout the talk, there's a number up on the screen that you can start texting now. Um, there's also some pens and paper up front and back in the, uh, by, the, by the office desk. Um, so if you want to write down a question or text a question, um, it's an anonymous number. So when you send in the, the, the messages, we just get the, the question itself and no, no numbers attached. Um, so you can you know, send in your questions that way. Uh, we'll have, as we listen to John's talk, then we'll have a break for um, donuts and coffee. So we'll have about 15 minutes or so uh, while John and I sort through the questions and then we'll have uh, the question and answer time. So we'll go through the questions that have been submitted, and then we'll open up the floor um, to anybody else who has more questions that they want to ask um, live. So uh, hopefully that's all relatively straightforward. Um, if we get to the end of the night and questions haven't been answered, um, and you really want you know, to continue that conversation, by all means, uh, come up, and we can uh, carry on that conversation afterwards. I hope that's, that's, that's all right. Fine, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> um, great. Well, why don't we why don't we start with uh, a moment of prayer here, and then uh, we'll get to, get to know John. All right. Dear Lord, uh, thank you so much for uh, bringing uh, uh, Jonathan Macy here and uh, giving him the uh, the heart for um, caring for people with with disabilities and um, creating spaces within the church uh, for people to thrive uh, with all of the gifts that God has given. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you would bless our talk this night um, and our, our discussion and um, really encourage um, each of us here um, as we consider uh, what, uh, what you have to say and what you, you think about um, disabilities. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, hello. Hello. <laughs> um, why don't we start by um, telling us a bit about yourself, where where you're at right now, and uh, yeah, we'll start with that. Um, so I'm Jonathan, and as you'll hear, I have a um, stammer. I'm 55. I'm married to Louise over there somewhere. Um, we've got the two kids, Joel and Emma, who aren't kids, they're sort of young adults. Um, I'm, I um, run Church of the Cross out on um, Thamesmead. Um, so if, if um, you've ever been out there, um, we're in the middle of the um, concrete. Gotcha. And we've been there nine and a bit years. Okay. Now, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and and what, what do you do kind of outside of ministry? Do you have kind of time for hobbies or other activities? Or well, like your vicar, I um, um, support Norwich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a car crash today, but we'll move swiftly on. And also, like him, I like running as well. Ooh, so, okay. um, yeah. um, and actually, weirdly, like him, I like rock music. Mm, so, yeah. a bit of, yes, yeah. twins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nearly, although yeah. he has hair and I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One way to tell you apart, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, uh, can you tell us a bit about, um, I guess one of the most important questions: How did you become a Christian yourself, and what was your, where was your journey to faith like? Yes, so I grew up in a sort of atheist household. Um, God just wasn't there 
on um, the radar. And round about the age of 14, I just got in with some guys at school who were at the local church, and they talked to me for six or seven years. I mean, they really sort of persevered. And it was August 1988 that in the end it clicked. Mm. And I gave my life to Christ. Mm. So, um, so that was where, when I was 20. Mm. Yeah. That's really encouraging, especially for legacy kids who are inviting their friends along. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's a long, long, long chat. Um, awesome. And then, so then how, um, how did you kind of, um, you know, you're, you're the diocesan uh, disability yeah. advisor. Yeah. Um, but what does that look like and what does that mean and how did you kind of find yourself? Oh, um, so I guess that if you run it forwards through time, um, just off, round about when I became a Christian, um, I needed a job. And so I became a cleaner in a local care home. And that was where it began. And then through um, the next sort of um, 20 years, I sort of worked my um, way up. And by the time I was heading off to train um, um, to be a vicar, I was in charge of about 16 care homes around southeast London, um, mainly learning disabilities, but um, I've also done um, dementia care. I've done um, some rehab. I've done um, mental health, okay. yeah. all kinds, mm -hmm. through those yeah, twenty odd years. Yeah. Mm. So um, I was asked by the bishop about a year and a half ago if I would take on the role of diocesan disability advisor, okay. mm -hmm. and that role is everything from churches getting in touch and saying where. Do we put ramps mm -hmm. right the way through to how do we include people who have ish, ish issues with hearing or um, sight or um, neurodiversity? I mean, it's mm -hmm. the whole thing mm -hmm. from... Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I guess, so within that, do you have... Are there kind of any, you know, tough... Um, Tough conversation, like you know, are you? I guess, do, do you field any kind of difficult situations through that, or is it mostly kind of advising churches, kind of that are proactively reaching out? Um, I, I mean, guess as I've said, you've got the whole range. Mm -hmm. um, on one end, you have the just the basic reality that if you have to make. Um, changes to a building, that costs money. Mm. And if you don't have that, mm -hmm. then it can, you know, you really have to think through how you do things. Right the way you to the other end, um, I was contacted about a year ago, um, by a vicar over in Kingston who said, you know, oh, um, I have this issue. What is it? Um, well, this guy with mental health needs, mm -hmm. clear mental health needs, is coming to church. I said, mm -hmm. well, that's, that's good, isn't <laughs> it? And she said, well, yes, it is. But when he says the um, liturgy, he's completely out of time <laughs> with everyone else. Mm. It's like, yeah, 
said, well, others in the church have begun to complain that he's ruining their worship. And I said, okay, so you need culture change within the church. So, as I said, it goes from ramps to culture change within mm-hmm. church, which is yeah. that I help with. Very cool, yeah. very cool. Um, well, I think that's, that's it for the intro. Okay. Um, and uh, so now we'll kind of give the floor to Jonathan. He's going to give us a talk um, on, on the topic, and then, um, and then we'll pick up for questions. So, yeah, sure. Um, well, before, before you jump in, um, why don't we just say a quick prayer, and I'll pray for you. Yes, please, yeah, yeah. Dear God, we thank you so much uh, for Jonathan again, and just pray, please, pray that you would bless his talk and uh, open our hearts and ears uh, to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Oh. Okay, so, um, so can I check with the um, slides, when I wave, they'll get changed? Yeah? Good. So, um, I will um, begin with the absolute basics. I don't have an opening joke. I'm going um, straight to um, the Old Testament law, and everyone's hearts sings, oh, the Old Testament law, why is he going there? Well, it's really important. So, um, 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 Leviticus says, do not curse the deaf or put a, um, a stumbling block before the um, blind, but f- um, fear your God. I am the Lord. Um, God's law was and is to guide and um, reg. Um, reg his people in order that they would ref, reflect his holiness to the world. And disability is shown to be an issue that God's people have to be aware of and have a certain attitude toward. There is the just basic assumption you will encounter um, people with disabilities in the people of God. It isn't only outside, it's in the people of God. There will be people with disabilities and you have to treat them with respect for two reasons. Reason one is just because of who they are. They are a person made in the im, 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 image of God, they are one of God's people, hence like anyone else, they are to, um, to be um, respected. Point two is, this is a, about your walk with God. Why do you do this? Because I am your God, I am the Lord, this is an issue of holiness before God. And that's where we start. You um, um, don't use someone's disability as a way to hold them back. It isn't an excuse to um, limit or dig. Um, grade them. There is that, um, um, the imp, 
the implication they should have the opportunities that anyone else does. So people with disabilities are um, to be expected within God's people. Now, one thing you'll often read within the Bible is, if I wave, um, that term there, um, blind and the deaf and the um, lame. And in our current times, that's um, seen as a bit clumsy because we are used to just fully describing what's going on. There's a wide range and there's nuance. So your disabilities are seen and they're unseen, they're physical, they're mental, short-term, long-term, they're in, in, intermittent, they're permanent, they're from birth, Some, sometimes they're um, acquired through life. I mean, who here is getting older? In the end, we all wear out. We're all on that curve. So I take that term as some form of God's shorthand that there is a a person or there's people in the room we have to be extra aware of. And the reason why we need to be extra aware of them is history tells us people with disabilities fall through the cracks way too often when they shouldn't. Um, I've often seen, I would have thought in this church you do the peace, don't you? So during church you do the peace and then you go round and no you don't do the peace oh gosh I'll have a word with Edward about that well if you did he said um, that is a chance to actually go round the room saying, peace be with you, peace be with you. And it's always worth thinking, who is it that I go to? Who are the people I just naturally go to? And therefore, who are the, um, the ones that I don't go to? Perhaps if... Um, um, you don't do the um, peace. I'm sure you do tea and coffee at the end. Who aren't you talking to each week? Have a think about that. And then think why. Um, people can fall through the cracks too often. And that isn't anything uh, malicious. It's just that people aren't on other people's um, raise dars. But it is a learning opportunity. Look round the room on a sun's day and think, who aren't I talking to and why? It's worth doing that.
as we are a church, I thought it's good we actually go to um, um, scripture. Um, can I have This is a really interesting bit of um, scripture. It's just after Jesus cleanses the temple. That's some time where he's coming to Jerusalem as king. You know, everyone's going, Hosanna. And he goes in and really the first thing he um, does is he lenses out the temple. He's got these whips and he's driving people out. Why? Because the temple is to be a house of prayer. And you have that awesome um, line at the end that after he has cleansed it and said this will be a house of prayer you then have the um, blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them and you think well so what well while there isn't anywhere in the law that um, said disabled people couldn't come and worship God. There was this tradition that had just kind of grown, you know, one of those cultures that just appear and they aren't checked. And after a long time, there's this culture where they... You know, people with disabilities just weren't that welcome. And we sort of see how the um, religious leaders react when they entered. If you read on, they weren't happy. They really weren't happy that you had this group who had been out there, were now in here with them. They weren't happy. Have you heard of the Corban rule? Have you heard of the Corban rule? Has Eddie taught on the Corban rule? Yeah. Brilliant. And um, that was just one of those traditions which didn't have any base it's in God's actual law, but it had grown up and it was um, really unhelpful. That was um, unhelpful to with those. You had one here that excluded people with disabilities. So, Jesus cleanses the temple and it's now ready for, for um, people to come in. And of course, often when this is um, taught, the instant goes to his teas and clearing space for the Gentiles, the non-Jews to come and worship. I mean, that's us. Why are we worshipping God? Because God has brought in the Gentiles. But right on their heels come people with disabilities. And that was a um, shock. Um, in Acts 3, if, if, if you look at Acts um, um, three, a um, lame man was outside the temple until God used Peter to heal him. And then he came in. 
um, not here. It appears that those who were after Jesus um, um, were at the um, gate watching. It's like, what's he going to do, you know? What's he going to do? And then it cleanses everything. And they think, now's our chance. And in they go to get to Jesus. And they don't care about the rules. They don't care about the protocols. They don't care about what the... um, 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 religious authorities thought they came through that gate to get to Jesus. Had something changed in the um, spiritual atmosphere? I would think so. They sensed that change. And Jesus... Um, didn't send them out again. It's like, come in, guys. Everyone come in. And he welcomed them, and he healed them. And one of the things about being healed was they then couldn't be um, um, excluded again. The um, 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 religious leaders hadn't got an excuse now to keep them out. They'd been healed. And it's actually worth pondering on that the um, temple had worked and had um Um, done its business for so long without realising that a key and excluded people weren't in there. They were outside. They were all round the outside. Now they were in and Jesus was healing them. Which then leads to that whole thorny question of healing. What is that? What does that mean? Slide. So, this is a um, tricky area. And it's very personal. Um, so it's a handle with care thing. There is the whole thing of why haven't I been healed? Because um, some people aren't. The whole thing of, um, is there an, an issue with me? Do I lack Faith? Does God have an issue with me? And I think there's also, if if you're honest, a long his, um, history of really clumsy pastoral practice for people with disabilities that we need to to um, recognize. But what is healing? And I, be, I um, parallel it with um, um, being in a holy place and being in Christ. And if you are in Christ, you are therefore a new creation in right relationship with God. That's what being in Christ is. And 
this is the picture of when you encounter um, God. And at that um, point, you then um, have the whole fullness of life in Christ with that radical and completely undeserved welcome. Of course, the absolute full and old, old, ultimate act of healing is in eternity. New heavens, new earth, new bodies. And at that point, we will all, everyone, have that um, wholeness in um, Christ. Prior to that, we will get a um, taste of what it's like. Um, my own speech, um, I've been told by my mum that as soon as I was um, making sounds at the age of about one, she knew there was something wrong. So I haven't ever experienced um, fluent speech. Um, I haven't got a clue what that's like. Um, but by God's grace, I have learned to live with that. Now, it's taken time. I mean, I've had some years, as Louise would tell you, of just hair-tearing frustration. And um, that has been quite hard. But God has used it for his glory and for the better. And I've been wrestling with the whole thing of the um, um, grace of God is shown through our weakness. Yet if there isn't anything that's weak, how can his own grace be shown through it? And I'm wrestling with that. I would rather God would um, shape me with eternity in um, mind rather than thinking about the here and the now and the I want. Which then sort of raise, raises up a whole question of the, that there are times that a disability can positively um, shape a person's character and can be used by God for the um, good. It's that sort of classic Romans 8 thing of all things work together for the good of those who love him. And if all things is all things, then all things is all things, and all things has the category within that of disability. So you have to think, okay, Lord, how does that work? And um, you sort of see times in um, um, Scripture where that comes out. John 9. Why was he born blind? Why was the man born um, 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 blind in John 9? To show God's glory. It was an opportunity for God's glory 
to be shown. That needs wrestling with, but it's true. Um, you have in Luke 8 um, the healing of um, the woman with the um, f- um, flow of blood. And of course, Jesus has healed her for her own well-being, for her own blessing, for her own life. I mean, I can't think what it would have been like to have had what she had for that long. That stopped. But with that, um, um, he also healed her for the cause of worship because now she could go into the temple. She was excluded, not anymore. Yet there's a there's a whole thing that when Jesus healed her, they were in the middle of a, a crowd. And that the crowd would have um, known her and gone, ooh, is that woman? When she got healed, all that social ex- exclusion goes. Bang. Healing is richer than the body. It's spiritual and it's relational and it's also um, societal as well. And of course, in um, glory, we will get all of this. How's the time doing? Fine? Okay. One last thing. Wave. It's really important to consider what it is to be a spirit-filled Christian who lives in Christ. This isn't just some thing which you go, oh, that's sort of reasonably interesting. If you're in Christ, that is a fully um, self-defining thing. It makes you who you are and why you are. And if that is um, so, every single spirit-filled Christian who is in Christ is one of God's priests. You are in God's priesthood if you're in Christ. And what do um, priests do? What, what do priests do? They serve the people of God. They have gifts to give to the people of God, to help the people of God home grow in God. And if I'm, I'm blunt, can I be blunt? Yeah? Okay. If you're in Christ and you're a um, spirit-filled um, Christian in Christ, you have gifts given by the Holy Spirit to you for the benefit of the people of God. There isn't any spiritual gift or spiritual calling to be an object of pity. Nowhere. It is the exact opposite. To look at people in terms of where they're vulnerable, is a very limited way of thinking about people. You have to start looking 
at all of the people in terms of their um, um, value and what they can come with. And if you rightly understand that every spirit-filled Christian is a priest of God who has a thing for the whole of the people of God, that changes how how you um, see all people. Now, of course, um, certain people, um, well, no, all people, um, to work out your role within a church takes um, time and it discernment. I mean, I um, remember, I mean, I had a sense of calling um, really soon after I came to um, Christ and I... I mean, at that point, I had really, really bad speech. It's like, yeah, you run a church? Don't be stupid. Not a hope of that. But I knew. And I um, remember um, there's this church in Peckham, Christ church and um, um, the leader there was called Hugh and I one time just sort of I mean um, he hadn't got a um, clue who I, who I was and I bumped into him in um, um, another church and I just sort of um, stammed but at him, I think I'm called to be a Church of England vicar. And he just sort of looks at me. Mm. But Hugh um, said, okay, let's go on a journey and work account and what that looks like. He could have just said, no, you got a stammer. But, but, but no, he went on a journey with me and gosh, 20 years on, I'm here. There is that um, a need to actually go on a journey with people which can take time, which can take effort, and some courage. I mean, I think Hugh had to have some guts to actually do that with me. Yet he did that with me. But if you truly believe everyone who is in Christ has a gift for the church, then that's a journey worth going on. To um, just include is only half the journey. If your thought is, what's, what's this person's calling within this church? You have to include them to actually work out the calling. Think about calling more than inclusion and the inclusion comes with, the welcome comes with. Everyone here has a calling, whoever you are. What is that calling? Go on a journey with people. And I think that's a good time for me to wrap up.
So the donuts are coming out. I see Philip bringing out milks and coffees, etc. Um, so we can start to head over that way. And um, please do send in some questions or write down uh, questions on a piece of paper and put it in the bowl up here. Um, and then we will uh, reconvene uh, a little after 7, about 7.05. So have a chat, have a think. As the leader of the church, people look at you for how you handle it. So I said the first thing is that when ever you sort of talk to this guy, everyone will watch how you interact with him. They will then begin to copy what you do. So you as a vicar have to have the absolute right attitude to this man. Um, I would also work out who are the influential people in your church. Perhaps it's a church warns and mem members of the PCC. Talk with them. You all begin to actually role model how the rest of the church should be with this guy. And through your role modeling, through your welcome, through your wisdom, you will um, um, get the ball rolling. So that's one bit. But of course, sometimes you need to be trained. And there are various um, organizations so you can go to for help with training. So that would be the two things that I would um, say. And then I'd also say it'll take time. It'll take time, but you will get there. Does that help? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I guess the, uh, the, the next question kind of yeah. on that is... Um, you know, specifically, kind of, do you have any experience um, helping churches, um, including encouraging and supporting um, people with special educational needs as well as um, autism? Um, yeah, I mean, um, as I said, uh, uh, yeah, um, a fair um, um, proportion of my working in care homes was, was with people with learning disabilities. It is of various kinds, generally autism. Um, one of the things about autism, and it's generally people with disabilities, but certainly autism, there is no one answer. Everything is very, very tailored to each of the individual people that you have within your church. So again, is, is there um, um, an off-the-shelf answer? No, there is. It's having the, the attitude, it's having the empathy, it's having the time, it's having the love, it's having the grace, it's having the patience, and then learning who they are. Learn who they are. And then through that relationship, you will get the answers to the questions you have about how, the, how they can have a part within your church. It's all through relationship and time. Yeah? Yeah. Um, I guess following on from that, we had another yeah. question um, on kind of balancing, you know, people with different disabilities in the yeah. same space. Um, so the comment was about, you know, clapping, disturbing people mm. with neurodivergent uh, issues. Yeah. And then deaf people, or I think it was no. blind, blind people, blind, you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. missing the clapping because they can't kind of keep time. Yeah. Um, with the music, and so how do you kind of balance that within within a space and, and 
I guess, do you have any experience um, with that? Yes, it's complex. And again, I come back to there isn't an off-the-shelf answer. Um, each church has its own culture, its own feel, its own people. Each person with a disability of some kind is an individual person. So um, you're kind of getting back to what's the culture of the church. Um, I mean, with this, um, um, perhaps I'm wrong, but I would think the issue with this was someone at the top thought, oh, there's an issue, here's an answer, and you just impose the answer. And then you work out that that answer hasn't helped a whole sort of group within the room. So this is, I think, an issue of leadership. I think it's probably an issue of the leader wanting a shortcut to get the answer solved next week. And you can't do that. So this would be, I think, solved through, I wouldn't say um, negotiation, but it's relationship and um, 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 negotiation where those who have, um, I think it was um, neurodivergent who didn't like noise and the clapping, and those who were um, blind, get them in the room and talk to each other and then work out the way forward. Yeah, does that help? No, yeah, I think that's, yeah. I think that's really good. Um, I guess uh, one kind of question that occurs to me at, at that juncture is <clears throat> in terms of creating spaces to welcome people in, yeah. um, you know, you talked about kind of there's a bunch of people outside of the temple that we don't yeah. even know are there. Yeah. Um, how, I guess, how could a church go about kind of reaching out, making sure that those people know that they're included, yeah. that their needs are kind of acknowledged, or um, mm. if they're not in yet, I guess? There's a very interesting stat that says one in five of the UK pop, the pop, population has a disability of some kind. Therefore, everyone in this room knows someone. So just as you would ask friends to come to the church, just as you would talk to friends about Christ, you have friends with a disability who, who you can equally do that with and for. Um, so it's really just keeping your head up and your eyes open to your um, social circles because they're there. And I would then go on and say, if they aren't there, there's an issue with your social circle, which you need to act on. But they're out there. <laughs> One in five is huge. And I guess that goes back to your point about you know, who, you, who are you talking to at yeah. coffee time? Yeah. Uh, yeah, who are you spending time with? Yeah. Um, I guess a, a kind of a, and a continuation on, on that similar topic of the broader culture and, and um, there's a question here about um, are we over-diagnosing mental illness um, you know, around um, you know, the term now neurodiversity and, yeah. and all of that, um, where, you know, where blindness and, and some other kind of physical limitations are more obvious, mm. um, you know, how do we, should we draw a line around kind of mental illness? I mean, mental disabilities, yeah. I guess. Um, well, kind of how do you, how do you approach that as, as a vicar, um, pastorally? 
So, so I guess that comes back to one of the last points that I said, that it isn't just about inclusion, it's about calling and vocation. It's about working out who people are and what they come with, as opposed to what's your issue and how do we sort of fit you in. So I'd almost turn it round and say, you need, you need to actually see people as people first. Um, there's this whole sort of language debate. I mean, one of the things in our culture is the use of language. But is it a disabled person or is it a person who has a disability? So are you fundamentally defined by your disability or are you a person first who happens to have a disability? And I think that if you go for the person who happens to have a disability, but I think that's the way in, because you see their God-given image, their God-given um, place first, and then you work out how you work with a disability. I think that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, great. Um, th those are all the the incoming questions. I think we've we've covered all of those. Um, does anybody have any questions that kind of have come out of out of uh, Jonathan's answers, or um, that occur to you? Yeah. Yeah. So so why don't yes yeah, so why don't I repeat the question and then and then you can discuss it um, just so that everybody can hear. Um, Dave's asked uh, about kind of in his line of work, he works with a lot of people with disabilities, and a lot of them express a lot of anger towards God, hatred of God for giving them these disabilities. A God who's all-powerful has left me with you know this this disability. So, um, how do we kind of handle those questions of the, those people in our circles? That yeah, yeah. I mean, it, um, it is the classic arg argument against God. If I hurt, they can't be a god. And that can be anything at all. Um, I mean, certainly, um, before I met Christ, I had all kinds of anger. Um, but as a, an atheist, you've got to lump it, haven't you? Um, that's life. Um, So, I think anger is a natural response to pain. We can't say, oh, but don't be angry. No. Um, but it's what you then do with that. Um, why is there disability where we live in a fallen world? And the hope that we have is for the new heavens, new earth, and our resurrection bodies. And we're on a journey there. Um, and God is the one who will give you the peace to get through life, whatever your situation um, talking to people about pain of any kind and then um, relating it to God is difficult. And again, it 
It takes time and it takes love. It takes prayer. Um, because in the end, God has to crack their heart so God can get in and say, I am the peace you're after. I am your shalom. I am the answer to your pain and anger. Um, does that help? Thank you. Yeah. Um, I think we might have time for one more question if anybody has any last thoughts. And otherwise, we'll draw to a close. Anybody else? All right. Well, we'll call it there then. I rise um, on time, 7.30. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jonathan, That's for coming. Why don't we why don't we close in prayer? Would you would you mind praying for us? Yeah. And then um and then we've got a notice, one notice, and then uh and then we can finish up uh teas and coffees and there's a surplus of donuts, so <laughs> if you're dying for a second already, you know. Save some for legacy though. <laughs> Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for this evening. Lord, thank Thank you for everyone in this room and everyone in this church. Lord, thank you that this is a church that has their eyes fixed on you, Lord. And I ask that, that all of us would have our eyes fixed on you, Lord Jesus Christ, and that this church, St. John's, would be a church that stands out as salt and light in this community. A, a place of welcome and of peace and of healing and of hope. Lord, thank you for St. John's and thank you for all of your people here. Amen.